Brianna does. There you go. She raised her hand on that. That's a great testimony, Jim. Well, uh, I got a... This morning, I feel like the Lord told me He had sent me. Okay? Romans 10. Let's put that up there, Brian. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? How shall they preach unless they are sent? Well, I felt the Lord sent me. Uh, uh, you know, the great thing about getting to preach two times is when it doesn't work the first, first time, you can, you can try it again. Okay? I felt like the first service, it was more like, uh, how shall they... Uh, Counsel. It's like I had to not preach to the first crowd. I feel like I had to counsel them on how to just receive what I felt like the Lord was trying to say to them. I don't know if they got it or not. Didn't feel like it. So I'm going to try you guys. Hopefully I won't have to counsel you. I'm just going to preach to you, okay? But actually, I don't think that verse is just for me. I think it's for all of us. And I think uh, what the Lord wants to show us is that we're all sent to preach. That's, that's the thing that God really is trying to do. Is he's trying to tell all of us, you have a calling uh, in the Great Commission to preach the gospel to the nations as you go, wherever that takes you. If it takes you to, to the Andes Mountains or if it takes you to Harris Teeter on, you know, downtown, wherever Harris Teeter is located around here. <laughs> As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And so that's really the Lord's heart for us, is that He wants us to be preachers of the gospel. And uh, one good bit of good news, you know, we pray for Bunny, uh, Bunny Neal, or Bunny Linker, not Bunny Neal, Bunny Linker. Her feet, you know, she's got that, whatever it is, neuropathy or something in her feet. And we prayed for her a couple weeks ago and spoke to her feet. Uh, because we believe Bunny's a preacher of the gospel, and said and declared those scriptures over here. How, this this is not beautiful. Neuropathy is not beautiful. And we we uh, asked asked the Lord, uh, told them feet they need to get in line with what the Bible says. And she, of course, nothing happened right then, you know. But she came to church this morning. She said, Byron, I'm wearing shoes. Isn't that something? Trust so step. That's the Lord. I mean, you know, when you got that neuropathy stuff, you can't even wear shoes. They have some funky-looking, soft, padded thing because it's so. We just and she believes that God is going to totally heal her feet because, because you know, the Word of God says so. So um, we just want to be encouraged by these things. But I want you to get in your heart um, this this thing about being a preacher. And so I do feel like the Lord has sent me here this morning to tell you something, and so you can receive it now. You know how you get an invitation in the mail from somebody wanting you to come to their wedding or their high school graduation or birthday party, and it usually has an RSVP on it, right, where you're going to respond to this person tell them if you're going to come or not. Well, I got this message here, and I want you to respond to this message. And you can, you can tell the Lord whether you'll receive the message or you won't receive it. That's, that's up to you. So, um, but what I want to tell you about is how, what God, what I really believe God is doing in the body of Christ today, in a general sense, of course. But these are things that I uh, that I've that's personally been happening to me. So I'm I'm really trying to reflect to you what I believe God is is, is doing in my life. But I don't think He's just doing it in my life. He's think, I think He's doing it in lots of people's lives, and get you to see that this is an invitation from the Lord. 
And this is really, and I want you to hear this, but really what I'm going to share with you is not be anything we haven't preached in this church in the last several months. In fact, what I'm going to share with you, I put a five-minute version in our last newsletter. This is the 25-minute version. But the reason I'm doing it is because I want you to see and give you a chance if you've been asleep, you've been slumbering in the, in the spirit, so to speak, that you could really, uh, this morning, you know, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches and respond to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Everybody good? So I don't want to have to be counseling y'all this morning. Okay? Y'all got that? All right. Let's put Mark 3, verse 13 through 15, and I'll read that to you. This is the invitation that the Lord gave me. Okay? The Lord gave me this. He sent me an invitation, and this was, this was the invitation. Actually, it's one of several I got from the Lord, but this is one that really the Lord used to explain to me. And it says, He went up on the mountain and called to Him those he, him, he Himself wanted, and they came to Him. Then He appointed twelve that they might be with Him and that He might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Uh, you know, the first thing I want you to know is if you go and study the life of Jesus, He was always doing that with people. Whenever He ministered to a person or his disciples, he always was doing this thing to them. He was always sending them out. He would send them out. He wouldn't send them out just go, well, now you just go home and take, you know, he would send them out with a, on a mission. He even, there was a man who had a legion of demons, wanted to hang around with Jesus and, Je and Jesus had healed him. And he says, no, go home and tell everybody the great things that God has done for you. In other words, he sent, sent them away. You know, and the Bible says in another place, freely you have received, freely give. I can imagine that guy went home, preached the gospel, and cast out demons out of all his buddies that he used to hang around with and do demon stuff with because he had this deliverance in his life. So the Lord really wants us to, to, to see that this is his method. This is what Jesus does. He sends us out to preach and to have power to heal and to cast out demons. He wants us to get that. I think we all agree that, and, and we've heard this, but this is really, this is, this is what God's saying. This is what I'm into doing. This is what I want to do. This is my program. What is your program? Get in my program is what God's saying. Get with me. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I want you to do. And if you're a Christian this morning, you have your marching orders from the Lord. It's called the Great Commission. You have it. You don't need a word. In fact, this is something that's really wonderful. You, if you look in Acts 16, Paul the Apostle went out on what biblical historians call the second great missionary journey of Paul. And you know how it started? This is how the great, second great missionary journey, that's one of the profound things that happened in the early church, Paul said to Barnabas one day, hey, let's go visit the churches we went to earlier and see, or the brothers we went to and see how they're doing. That's profound. Paul didn't need some big fanfare, big move of God to get him. Paul was on the way. He was doing it. And he just trusted the Holy Spirit. If you go on and read, the Holy Spirit jumped in the middle of it and said, yeah, but you ain't going over here right now. He, had, you know, he directed him. He trusted Many Christians are in this bad state of mind. Here's your bad state of mind. You're waiting on God to do something. And God is saying this to you. Don't wait on me. I've already told you what to do. And I see, I'm getting a revelation of that. 
I'm getting a revelation that God's already spoken to me. And He ain't talking to me about lots of things now because He's saying, I've already told you. Do, go, go, get with the program. And you'll see me move. But if you're as long as you're sitting around waiting on some big you know, thing to happen, it's not going to happen. And that doesn't mean you don't wait on God. You know, our lives should be a mix of waiting and going, waiting and going, waiting and going. And that's really what the Lord wants us to do. So, oh, let me just tell you this story. I love this story. I'll probably tell it to you again. I love it so much I can't stand it. There was this guy, true story, in South Carolina town. He was a great preacher. Had a, a golfing buddy, nonetheless, who was a great lawyer, but he was not a Christian. And so he'd been trying to get this guy to come to church forever because this guy was a real gospel gospel guy. I mean, he wasn't just a church guy. He was a gospel guy. He wanted this guy to come to church and thought if he could get him into church, he could get him saved. Uh, but the guy had some crazy people in his church, okay? And he knew that. So he knew that these people were pretty out of control in his church. Finally, the guy showed up at church one morning, and there was this one, and he got up there, and he did his darndest best to get that guy saved. I mean, he preached a hard gospel message for salvation. Uh, and as soon as, and he did all recall, and nothing happened. The guy didn't respond. So, you know, he just, well, you know, went on dismiss the church as soon as the church is over this guy gets up and this crazy guy of all people jumps up and runs over to him and has this conversation with him the guy storms out of the church the lawyer guy so he's thinking man that guy's going to mess this man up so um, he uh, gets a call later that night and it was his buddy and says I got to talk to you right now you know so he goes they meet and the guy said I got to get saved I, I need to get saved and he was ecstatic about him getting saved. So, he, you know, he's saying, man, my ministry works. So he leads the guy, you know, brings the guy into a salvation experience with the Lord. The Lord really receives and believes in the Lord. And, you know, and after he, you know, finishes praying with him and talking with him some, and he said, well, just exactly what was it in my message that really convinced you that you need to be saved? He said, nothing. It wasn't anything he said. It was this guy who came up to me. He said, well, what did this guy say? The guy asked me a question. And he said, and here was the question. Do you want to go to heaven? And he said, I told the guy no. And the guy said, well, go to hell then. <laughs> and walked off. He said, it offended me so bad. He said, but I couldn't get it out of my mind all day. Heaven or hell? Heaven or hell? And that is how he got saved. That's preaching with power. I thought, that's a power message. I'm not suggesting you try that method. But maybe the Lord would have you tried. I don't know. So, anyways, I told you that to kind of get you loosened up so you can hear the rest of the message. But there's some keys in these verses to what God is doing. Okay? And again, a lot of it, this is repeat. The first one it says is, uh, put it back up there, Brian, Mark 3. It says, He went up on a mountain. Okay? That's the first key is Jesus went up on a mountain. Now, I went through the book of Matthew to talk about, that talks about mountains. And just in the Gospel of Matthew, no, no more, uh, every time Jesus went up on a mountain, something happened. first one was Matthew 5, chapter 5 through chapter 7. There's this thing called the Sermon on the Mount. The most famous message in the Bible is Jesus preaching on a mountain. Okay? And then after he finished preaching this message, he went down from that, that uh, mountain in chapter 8 of Matthew, and healed a man of leprosy. That was the first thing he did. So he went up on the mountain. Something significant happened. He went down from the mountain. There was a healing. Matthew 14, 
it says Jesus went up on the mountain, was up there praying, came down from the mountain, walked on water. A significant miracle in the Bible, a man walking on the water. Matthew 15, he went up on a mountain, and these people were not stupid. Okay, they were catching it. Oh, every time he goes up on a mountain, something happens. We're headed up. So they, a bunch of them went with him. A bunch of lame people, a bunch of blind people, a bunch of sick people, a bunch of deaf people. And it says that Jesus healed all those people up there on that mountain. But then he went down from that mountain and fed 4,000 people. Fed 4,000 people. You know, miraculously fed 4,000 people. All right, then in Matthew 17, the most famous of all, called the Mount of Transfiguration, Everybody remembers that. Jesus was transfigured. Moses and Elijah came. You know, Matthew, you know, Peter, James, and John were there with him, having a big old hoop de oak time. Like, woo, we're in, man. We're in, baby. This is what we were going for. <laughs> Can't you imagine that? You're up there. Jesus all of a sudden is shining like the stars. There's a couple of guys who were just the most famous people in all Israel that were dead, and there they are, hanging out up there with you. I mean, you are in heaven. I mean, you're rejoicing and happy, and this is what we live for is this moment. And we're going to build these booths, and we're going to hang up here with you guys. And, of course, you know the story. Jesus didn't do it. He said, no, we ain't staying up here, boys. We're going back down. And he went back down, and there was a, uh, a man who had a son, an epileptic son, who the, enemy, the devil was trying to kill him, throw him in the water, throw him in the fire. And Jesus got down there, and there was this big mess, and... He healed the guy. Okay? So, and then the last one is Matthew 28, what we call the Great Commission. Significant thing in the Bible, right? was done on a mountain. So my point to you is this is something God's trying to do in the church. God is calling the church upward. God's calling us that there's something, and if you haven't been hearing this, if you have been, I'm, you're probably just hearing like a broken record this morning. It doesn't matter, though. I want to tell you, God is saying this now. I've gone up on a mountain, and, I'm, and I'm, I want you to know that. Something always happens in the Bible when Jesus goes up on a mountain. So we're living in a time when Jesus wants to do something because he's went up on a mountain, and he's, he's really refreshed the church with a message of, the you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's ref- the kingdom of heaven has become a theme in the church. It really has been. This is not by accident. This is not a bunch of people getting together or one guy having a, a clever message and 50 guys copying it. It's the Holy Spirit. And we need to hear this today. Jesus has gone up on a mountain. Something's going to happen. All right, the second thing he did when he went up on the mountain, it says he called to him those he himself wanted. So that's the second thing. So he goes up on this mountain... But he didn't go, and what he's doing now, he's calling us to be with him. He's calling us. He's saying, you need to have a revelation of being seated together with Christ in the heavenly places. Right? Y'all have heard that one. Most of you, if you've been here much, you've heard that. We've talked about that. It's been, that we literally, the Bible declares that that is literally where we are right now today. We are in heaven. Or maybe a better way of saying it is heaven's in us. By the Holy Spirit. Okay? But we're seated there. That's what the Bible says. It says He's placed us there. Believe it or not. And God is calling the church into a revelation of who we are truly and where we are truly. And that we're to live from that place. 
And He's asking us to come into that revelation, hear that revelation, believe what the Bible says. Okay? Just believe what the Bible... Let me give you a quick example of just believing what the Bible says. A lot of people don't believe the Bible. See, a lot of people really don't. Well, I believe that, you know, but you don't believe it on a personal level. But one time I had this personal struggle in my life, this is a long time ago, about God's love for me on a personal level. I didn't personally believe God loved me, and I couldn't seem to come into that experience of experiencing God's love for me. So one day I was praying and really wanting to know that, wanting to feel loved. Everybody needs that by God. But I didn't feel loved. I felt so unworthy. I had such a wounded self image and all this other garbage. But here's what the Lord told me. He said, that, look, he said, first of all, number one, you don't love yourself. That's, we'll deal with that. But that can be fixed. Okay, we can correct your thinking like what Jim said. We can fix all that in you. But the other thing is, you've got to believe that I love you. The Bible says I love you. That's where you start. You believe something. Well, and I said, okay, then I'm going to believe it. God loves me. I didn't feel that at that moment. I felt no love. I just decided I'm making a decision, a choice, that the Bible says God loves Byron Wicker and that's good enough. Within three weeks, I had an experience with the Lord that was significant. It wasn't no longer what the Bible says. I knew it because the Lord came to me and let me feel His love, let me be touched by His loving arms and hands. I had an experience of God's love. So what we do is we, just, we change our mind and start believing what the Bible says. I'm switching to the counseling mode here again. We start believing what the Bible says, accepting it as being the truth, and then our experience will couple up and follow it. So let's start believing. I am seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenly places, as Ephesians tells me, as Colossians tells me, as the Bible just clearly states, that settles it. It's a settled fact. And then your experience will begin to connect with that because you are making a choice to believe the Bible and not your experience and not all the other, other stupid stuff that's going on. You got what I'm saying to you? That's how you do it. You just believe it. You make a choice. I made a choice to marry this woman. I didn't have to. It was a decision. Our lives are based on decisions we make. I made a choice. To love her. I could have decided, no, I'm not going to love this person. But once I opened that door, <laughs> it was too late. Feelings followed. Big time. So you have a decision, a part, an effect on your life. He said it. Your believing rules you. What do you believe? Do you believe your spiritual? Do you believe your heavenly? Do you believe that Lord has called you to be there and that you are there? Oh, let's... Uh, put that one scripture up, Philippians 3.14, just because it's a great scripture. This is what Paul said. See, Paul said, I'm pressing towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's the thing I love about Paul. We got to really look at his life and what he thought. That's what he thought about the Christian life. It's spiritual. That's what I'm going after. That's what he said. That's what I'm going, that's what I'm putting my hands on, is the spiritual and guess what happened to Paul? He had these experiences because he made a choice of the sin. I'm going for that world more than I go for this world. And because he made that decision, he got into some great stuff. He got, did some things. He saw some things he couldn't even talk about, he said, that were so, so over the top. That's what I'm going for. 
Let's get into some of those experiences where we can't talk about them because it would be, we're just messed up. <laughs> it would be messed up for us to talk about them. All right, let's, let's go back there. Uh, and, it says, uh, and it says they came to him. All right, that's the third thing. What I was just really saying, we've got to make a choice today. God has sent you an invitation. And that's the truth. He's asking you. That's what he's doing with the, in the church. He's asking us. He's calling out to us. Come up here and be with me. These guys responded to him. Now, these guys were knuckleheads at this point in their life. If you think about it, I mean, they were still fighting over who was the greatest and, you know, they wanted to slap people down and call fire down from heaven and kill people. And, but at least they responded. And that really got them where they need to go is by responding to the Lord. Um, so, you know, there's a practical way of response. And, you know, it's just sort of repetitive. But I want to read it to you again. It's Colossians 3. This is practical. Colossians 3. Put that up there, Brian. All right. If then you were raised with Christ. In other words, if you're born again, you have been raised with Jesus Christ. Get that in your head. Stop acting like something else. Don't act like a, a sinner. You're not one. Stop acting like something you're not. You're being a fake. Be spiritual. Be Christ-like. That's what you are. Now, that's the truth. I know it's hard for you to accept that about yourself, but it's the truth. And, and so Paul was saying, if that's really where you are, if that's really who you are, this is what you need to practically do. Seek those things which are above. Seek the spiritual realm. Go after it. Pursue it. Ask God to open it up to you. Ask God to give you His eyes. Ask God to give you His ears. Ask God to give you His heart. Ask Him to let you experience, have spiritual experiences. Ask Him to let, let you have dreams and visions or whatever tickles your fancy. You know, Just say, God, I want in on the spiritual thing. God wants you to ask Him for that. He wants you to go after that. It says it. We're talking about the spiritual world here. Well, he's not just talking about, well, we're going to seek to go to heaven. We're going to heaven. We're going to heaven. Heaven's already in us. We've got the down payment right now. So we're not concerned about getting there. We're concerned about what we're doing while we're here. So that's the thing. Then he says, see those things of which are above, where Christ is. Because that's where you're at. And that's what he's telling us to do. It doesn't get more practical than that. What am I supposed to do in my life every day? Well, I need to be finding out about the spiritual world. That's what I need to be seeking for, looking for, finding out for, asking God to reveal to me. Where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. That's where Jesus is. That's where you is. Right? <laughs> then he says, set your mind. Everybody say Mind. We have undervalued the mind, and we have overvalued the mind. As David Simon said to me, we listened to Bob Jones, and David's one comment was about Bob. Byron, I bet you really like that comment he had to say is, we need to get bigger down here and smaller up here, is what he said. You got that? Bigger down here. Like, ooh. <laughs> Teeny head. You ever seen these bodybuilders that take steroids and they get so daggone big? that their head and body get out of proportion. I mean, they look like a daggone guy with a cue ball walking around. I mean, I wouldn't say it to them because they're so big, they would kill you. <laughs> but that's really the truth. I thought, that guy don't look right. He's gotten too big. His head don't match his body. You know, <laughs> well, maybe in some ways that's the way it is supposed to be spiritual. We're not discounting the mind on any level. 
We're saying the mind's the gate. What you let in is what you're going to be. If you let the world in, you're going to be worldly. If you let the devil in, you're going to be demonized. If you let God in, you're going to be godly. In other words, you make decisions and choices. I'm going to believe this. I'm changing my mind. I don't, you know, my life's miserable. No, my life's not miserable. I just think it's miserable. The devil's got me convinced I'm miserable. But it's a lie. And I believe this lie, therefore it's become miserable. Now, that's the way this deal works. Now, there are, you know, there's times when the devil does attack and he does a real thing, but we're not, we're going to get this one right and then we can deal with that one. So you set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So that's what you can do. You just, that's where your mind should be dwelling. It doesn't mean you can't think about things here. You're going to have to think about things here. If you go to work, you've got to think about your job. But the Bible says, do it as unto the Lord. That's what it says. You know, whatever you do, do it hardly as unto the Lord. So you can work with your hands or your mind, if you have a mind job, and do it as in the Lord, that's setting your mind on things above. You know, it's just, it's just what you decide to do with your life. So I don't want to spend too much more time trying to counsel people, but... <laughs> All right, number four. Brian, go back to that, Mark. It says... Uh, <clears throat> flip on over to verse 14. Drew kept trying to get me on verse 14. He was anxious for 14. Okay? Then after they came to him, he appointed them. Now, that's what we're getting down to. There's an appointment for everybody in this room this morning. And we have these two appointments. First of all, the first, and these are really important, okay? And the order's important. But the thing that was really getting to me, it's gotten to me recently, I believe with all my heart that you can't have one without the other, really. Okay? And I believe the order's important. But you get these people who teach that you just do the first one and that second one's not that important. Something's wrong with that teaching. Something's wrong with the teaching that emphasizes intimacy with the Lord, relationship with the Lord at the expense of going out. I think it's wrong. I think it's leaven. And there's something wrong with the teaching that says you just, you know, you, know, you just go out and work and serve God and do all this, but you never, you don't really have this communion with the Lord. That's, that's wrong too. Jesus said that he, and, and so he said that he sent, first of all, that they'd be with him. That's the first part. That's number one, and number one always, because the Bible says the greatest commandment, Jesus said the greatest commandment there is, is to love God. You know, with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And then he said, and, and to love your neighbor, as you said. And he said these two are together, they're, they're inseparable. You can't separate them. We shouldn't. The church has no right to separate them, is what I'm saying to you. We have no right to separate something that's so important. Who do we think we are that we could take something in the Bible and declare one without saying, but you've got to love God, but you somehow in your life you've got to see that God has said, I have sent you out. I don't want you just to hang up here on the daggone mountain with me having a great time blessing me and loving me and doing all these wonderful things. And when I'm saying, okay, we're done with that. We're going down here now. You've got to get where you can do both. And that's what the Bible teaches. And we've perverted the Bible. We either pervert it. Well, we're just going to be down here. We don't have time to go and be with the Lord. We don't have time for all this spiritual stuff. That's a lie. We've got to do both. What we've got to learn how to do is we've got to learn how to go between the two. That's what we've got to... We never literally leave. I'm not declaring that, but I'm saying in, in our walking and the outworking of it, there's times of being caught up with God up there on the mountain, seeing wonderful things, experiencing wonderful things. Who wouldn't want to live there? 
I agree with those guys. Make some booths. I'm hanging in there. I'll handcuff myself to the place. All of us would. I mean, you really would once you get touched by spiritual things. Who needs this world? But the Lord's not interested in just doing that. He declares, no, we're headed down there. There's the pit of hell down there. We've got to do something about the pit of hell. That's what he said. That's why he says, oh, no, we ain't sitting up here, boys, too long now. We're going to do this, but we ain't staying. Forget the boost deal. So he sent this cloud on them. You know, I'll was, I share, I was share this with you. You know, my thing was that I was really getting into this, getting caught in the spiritual realm thing. You know, I was just, I was soaring, babe. I mean, honestly, it was good. And I was wondering, what's wrong with everybody else around me? I had this little vision, and the vision was this. I saw myself come crashing down through that ceiling right there and hit the floor. And you know, the, there was dust and all that sheetrock stuff and plaster stuff up there was coming down with me. That's how vivid it was. The great thing about it, I didn't physically get hurt. But as I hit the floor, I looked around, and it was on a Sunday morning, I looked at y'all and I thought, oh, that's what's wrong with y'all. So I thought, y'all are stuck down here. And then I crashed back down into here, and I jumped up and thought, I'm not staying here. That's what I thought. I'm not staying here. I'm getting out of here. I'm going back up there. I couldn't get back up there, though. Nothing I did. None of the tricks I thought I had learned to really just be in the Spirit and access the Spirit. None of them worked. And I did that and did that and I just felt like I was getting my brains beat out. And finally the Lord said, I want you down here now. I'm not up there with you right now. I want you down here. I want you in the problems. That's what He said to me. I want you in the problems. And I'm thinking, why do you want me in the problems? Why can't I be up there? I don't like the problems. Literally, that's what He said to me. Great. He wants me in the problem. Guess what I had? Problem after problem after problem. You know, it's like, don't answer the phone because somebody's got a problem. And I'm like, to mess with it. I don't want to do it, Lord. It's no fun. I like the other stuff better. And that's the way we are. I like the other stuff better. God has called us to both. He's called us to both. He don't want us to crash to the floor like I did. He wants to teach us. Okay. Now we're going to transition. We're going to head down the mountain. Okay, let's go. Come on. I love that, what it says in Matthew 17. They were talking about the booths, and then this cloud came over, and they heard this voice, and then they looked up, and they said they only saw Jesus, and not the glorified Jesus, the everyday, plain Jesus. You see what I'm saying? The everyday, plain Jesus. So God's called us up there. We've got to learn how to do that. We've got to learn how to access the Spirit. God wants to teach us how to access the Holy Spirit that's in us. He, that the Holy Spirit in you is the heavenly realm. He is the Spirit. He is the one who connects us with the spiritual things. Okay? God has been teaching, trying to teach the church, I believe, in the last few months, how to do that. Okay? If you've been paying attention, great. If you hadn't, well, that's great, too, because God just keeps, he'll keep coming after us. But he wants to teach us how to access that. Right as men, I may need to go up into the Spirit. But I may stay there and be caught up. I'm standing here. You might look at me, but I could be totally in the Spirit world. Totally. Seeing things, hearing things in the Spirit world. But then the Lord says, all right, well, click out here, baby. There's something coming your way right now that you need to take what you just found out up there and deal with it. And that is possible. For you and I, if we will respond to the Lord to what He's doing now, 
We have to learn how to do these things. They're not automatic. You have to learn how to work with the Holy Spirit. You have to learn how to, when you're listening to somebody or you're talking to somebody, uh, whether it be a, another believer that you're trying to help or a lost person, is you listen to that thing inside of you, the Holy Spirit. And He does it with different everybody, but I feel this little thing inside, like a little gurgle inside of me. Okay, I literally hear this gurgle. It's, it's like, I know that's the Holy Spirit. The water's rising there. I know to pay attention. God, that has stuff like that is happening with everyone else. We're just not connected. We're not paying attention. This is not weirdness. How do you think Paul knew when he was trying to go into Asia that it said the Holy Spirit uh, resisted him? Well, it could have been natural, physical resistance, but I believe Paul was a pretty spiritual guy. He probably felt stuff, heard stuff. Mm, I don't feel good about going there. Something bothered his peace. And he just said, oh, the Holy Spirit's forbidden it. He was in touch with this person inside of him. More than he was in touch with the world around him, but he was in touch with the world around him because he was in touch with the person inside of him. Are y'all getting what I'm saying to you? This is important because God has called every Christian, every Christian, not just... Now, here's what the worst thing we could ever do. This is the worst thing we could ever do. We could say to Jim this morning, yep, we think that's right. Let's help Jim do this thing. And think, well, we've done our part. We'll give him, we'll give him some money. And that would be good. I'm not saying that's bad. <laughs> That'd be great. Because you need money to buy radios and stuff. But that's the problem with the American church, I think, is we have deemed missions. We'll get Jim Hill to go there and get some radios. Why? And we'll give him some money. We went to work and did our part. That's wrong. The Bible says, as you go, as you, it's personal. He may not send you to the mountains. You may need me be supporting this. Probably should be. If this is reach somebody who ain't reached, I'd be stupid not to. In fact, I'll tell you what let's do right now. Let's get real. Uh, where's Allison? Is Allison still in here? Okay, get those coffins in place. Let's take up an offering right now, okay, to help them to reach these people. Okay? Let's take up an offering right now to help them reach these people. Give all the money. In fact, let's make it real easy. You can give cash. You can write a check to River Life. You can write a check to His Heart Missions. If we write a check to River Life, you can... We'll make sure he gets it all. He has the discretion to take that money, to research it, if that's what he wants to do, or if he can take it and buy stuff. If, that's, if they don't ever do anything, they're pursuing it. Y'all got that? So let's do that. But here's what I don't want you to do. I don't think it's because you wrote a check that you fulfilled the Great Commission in your life. Go ahead and do that. Just, just pass them out. I don't want you to think this. I want you to think this. Oh, I, I did that. That was a good. I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I got to give some money to help reach some people. But there's. But you've got to get this thing in your mind that God has called you to preach the gospel wherever you go. All you need to do is learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. Get Paul's revelation as you go. Let the Lord say no to you about something. He don't need to say yes. You're supposed to do it. Just let Him direct you. I think that's a better way of approaching it. Are y'all with me on that? So, all righty. He pointed the 12, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so here's the truth. God's waiting on some of us to come up there and be with Him. God's waiting on some of us to get out there. Find out what you're supposed to be doing today. 
You want to share that? Yeah, I'm ready for that. This morning, um, I did, I never know what Byron's going to preach. He never will let me know. But um, it's all a secret. I feel like I can't hear all this. Okay, Emma. But anyway, um, this morning the Lord gave me a scripture, and I didn't really know what it was until I started preaching this morning. And felt like the thing the Lord was trying to um, say this morning is, um, if you know, we all really need to shift in our mindsets we're in a time of shifting um, from and to really realize that to understand that we are now entering into it really understanding the kingdom age rather than just church and that kind of thing and um, the kingdom has a very different mindset the first thing that Jesus did when he began his ministry he gave he, he said I'm here to uh, open blind eyes, for the prison doors to be open, for the oppressed to go free. That is what the kingdom is all about. It's, you know, this thing of healing the sick, casting out deals, and pre- preaching to the poor. And so I just really, this morning as I was, um, I got the scripture, I didn't even know where it was, and um, here's what it says. It's in Revelation 11:15, and this is nearing the end. And we're probably over halfway in the book of Revelation as things are escalating. And I just thought this was awesome because it really applies. It's just, this, just jumping in. I don't really know the whole story here as little people do in the book of Revelation. But jumping in here, the seventh angel then blew his trumpet. And there were mighty voices in heaven shouting, The dominion, kingdom, sovereignty, and rule of the world is now come into the possession and has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ the Messiah. And I just really feel like we need to understand that our purpose here is as it has been from the beginning is that we are subduing the earth with the kingdom of heaven. That's really what we're all about. We're subduing the earth with the kingdom. It's been our purpose from the beginning. And you know, in the final end, it's just the world, the whole kingdoms of the world are going to be subdued by the kingdom of heaven. And so we really need to understand what we are about here. and, And I think if we can just connect in with that shift right there in our thinking, it will make your life come into perspective of what you're here for. It's really important to understand that. And I, you know, this week again, I was listening to the Dutch Sheets message um, where he was at a a prayer conference and giving out these really directives of things he thought the Lord was speaking for this year. And one thing he said was this thing about the kingdom, the shift of the kingdom mindset uh, as opposed to church. And... um, and the thing that I, I wanted just to say to you, how many of you want to walk in the Lord's favor? Well, this is the key to walking into the favor of God. Is this thing about as you go, preaching to the poor. You know, preaching and going, because it's the poor that we're sent to. You know, poor in spirit, the poor, literal poor, and healing the sick, casting out demons, and the thing uh, that Dutch sheep felt like from the Lord is this, if we will respond 
to the Lord's mission statement of this kingdom mindset that it's a year of favor for us. But for those who are not really willing to shift into this, it could be a year of disfavor for us. So I just want to encourage, I want to walk in the favor of the Lord and just to try to, this is just something the Lord's really been speaking to me personally. And I just thought this Revelation 11:15 was pretty powerful to really understand where we are on the map right now. We are in the process of the kingdom of heaven subduing and taking over the kingdoms of this world. So what we're trying to do is encourage you this morning about this and you know, help us to become further equipped to, to go after this, realizing that you're going to crash through the ceiling like I did. You know what I'm saying? Those are... We're learning. We're learning. Okay, well, we need to learn how to do this better, Lord. I don't need to be crashing through ceilings. You know, I need to, you know, so God, but God is, inter- He's really interested in teaching us this stuff. He's keenly interested in, in, in wa- us walking this thing out and really coming into something significant. And it's an invitation from the Lord. Now, one of the things that was brought up Friday night when we were listening to Bob speak, he talked about people being uh, this, all this insecurity on the church. You know, it was, and it was a, he said it was a lie. Big fat lie from the devil, insecurity. And because now more than ever, the church, the people of God need to be. We're on the rock. We're the most secure people in, on the earth. But we're believing we're insecure because the world around us is being so shook. And so there's this delusion that the enemy has brought against believers, is what he was saying. And then when Addison came in this morning earlier, he, he said he, about this you know, this, this fog that was on people, this, and it's a lie. That's a lying fog from the enemy. You're, you're uh, messed up. Share that word, Addison. About two months ago, I had a word. Uh, I felt like the word, the Lord told me that um, he showed me a vision of a sailboat on the water, and it was, there was a storm. It just got done, and the sailboat was me. It was, I felt like it was a church. And let me say right here, he shared this with me. Becky had had the same vision within a day before the same exact thing so you know when that happens you know oh look somehow god may be trying to say something here go ahead so uh so i saw this sailboat just gotten through the storm and it, it felt like it was me i felt like it was the church and then i felt like the lord was saying the storm is over it's done the storm that you've been going through in your life the storm that the church you know the, the, the depression or whatever you've been going on it's off of you but he, I felt like he also said right after that was the enemy is going to try to come in through with a fog and try to make you think you're still in that storm. Or, or you know how you feel when you get something really, you go through something real rough, if anything else around it is even close to it, you start getting that feeling that you had when you went through the other mess. Um, the enemy's really, he was saying the enemy's really trying to keep us down in that storm, but it's just a fog. And you need to rise out of the fog. And you can come with me, and I'm ready for you to come with me now. And you can go, and we can do things, awesome things. And uh, so I got in this morning, and I was, and I sat down in my seat, and I just felt that kind of fogish feeling. I was like, God. And I felt like the Lord said, and it wasn't because I was feeling that way, because I was really, I actually had a pretty good week this week. But, uh, um, praise the Lord. Um, but I felt like, he was saying, you know, there's some people that the enemy has got them in that fog. 
and they're making them believe that it's that it's a storm when it's not. And uh, it's just a lie. It's a lie from hell, and you're believing it. And if you will break that lie, if you'll you'll resist that lie, that's what the Bible says. So what we want to do is, and I know people just need to fog broke broke off of their lives. Just, you know, so you can see into the clear. Oh, I am in the clear. It was all a trick from the devil. It ain't like I thought. And so we were wanting to see if people would like to, we want to get the ministry team. Just pray for people that the Lord would break that off of you this morning. So you can see clearly that, you know, the Lord's calling us now. We're on the rock. Everybody say, I'm on the rock.